everybody is set up for success. We're not just sitting there being like, hmm, what do I want to post today? No, like we have a calendar where it's not up to chance whatsoever. Delegating was a huge obstacle for me because I had always been the one that press send. And I have had to learn, you know, kind of like let my people do their thing. I got meetings upon meetings, upon interviews, upon jobs, because I stayed at the top of people's inboxes. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. Every year I speak in about 100 college classrooms. It is quite literally one of my favorite parts of the job. I love to make a direct impact, answer career-focused questions, and set students down a path to sports industry success. Well, at least I think that's what happens. Half of them may be asleep for all I know. I mean, looking back, I was through a lot of college, so I don't exactly blame them. Nonetheless, let's go under the assumption that the young, fertile fields of their mind are being sowed with game-changing career information and perspective from yours truly. In those sessions, the reason I love them so much is because students share their aspirations, and it tends to break down a little something like this. The number one most interesting career path that everyone wants to pursue is being a sports agent. The number two career path that everybody wants to pursue is working in sports social media. Everything else is a distant third, fourth, and fifth, etc. So those are the two biggest ones. Sports agent, sports social media, that's the draw. I get it. Being in sports social media is fun. It's creative. You shoot videos, you write engaging copy, and you get a direct line to millions of fans anxiously anticipating your next reel or tweet. I mean, what's not to love? There is no punchline there. Seriously, what's not to love? We live in a creator society. Fans want to be blown away by new ideas, engaging visuals, interviews with players that make them laugh, behind-the-scenes content, The opportunity of social media to connect all the time with the direct fan base is so addictive. It's not just game footage, it's everything and everywhere and all those moments in between. If you're getting pumped up a little bit by this conversation, if you're getting a little bit jazz, since I am your career hype man, you should be really excited about today's guest, Becca Jenikov, social media manager for the Dallas Mavericks. We talk Luca understanding the audience, what's working right now in social media, tools she used to thrive, and a ton more stuff. So buckle up, get your social hat on, and let's roll. Here's Becca Jenikov, social media manager for the Dallas Mavericks. Hey, Becca, how are you? Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. This is exciting. Love these conversations. As a content creator myself for the last 20, 25 years in the sports industry, it's always nice to talk to other people in the industry, really get a feel for what's happening right now. And there's so many fun subjects we can cover, but I'm always very interested in people's origination stories, how they got to where they are. So I'll throw this out to you to start things off. Why sports? What led you this direction? And how did you find this kind of fit in the social media aspect? So I guess like you know, growing up in general, I was, you know, a cheerleader, a dancer, a gymnast, the, all the sideline sports. <laughs> um, so I was in the mix of, you know, high school sports and middle school sports all, all, all the while. Loved it, loved the excitement, the energy. And then once I was um, a senior and they had kind of canceled our dance team for basketball that year because not enough people had signed up. 
I still wanted to be around. So I, you know, kind of signed on as the manager slash the sweetheart of the team because there were no seniors. I was a senior. They needed some kind of senior to be involved in some way. And so we kind of made up this role for me where I went to all the games. I was there. I was present. I, you know, did the um, the scoring at practices and like made them sweatshirts and cookies and all this kind of stuff. And I was just, I, I loved being around just team sports and like yeah. the energy around it, not the sport itself, but like everything around that was going on, the people enjoying it. It was just a place to be and the place to just like kind of get away from everything. And so then when I went to college, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'm, I'm a pretty social person. I love to talk and be active and, you know, just like I, I have a lot going on at all times. And someone, someone asked me, they were going um, abroad in my sorority and she said, Hey, I work for Texas basketball. And as a communications assistant, um, who, who would like to take my spot while I'm abroad? And I, and I just like found myself kind of raising my hand because I was like, you know what, I, I, I'm very fortunate that I didn't have to work, but I wanted to. Um, and so I said me and, you know, I interviewed, got the job. So I was with Texas basketball for like, you know, until the end of my junior year. And that's a massive opportunity. That's a, that's a big program. And, and, I, and I'll be honest with you. I think I took it for granted a little bit. Mm. Fast forward, however many years later, 10 years later from my sophomore year of college, like I, I didn't really understand the full picture of what I was doing at the time. Thankfully, I figured out while I was there, you know, I want to, I want to work in sports. Mm -hmm. But again, at the time I was like, oh, I want to go into sports marketing. What is that? I don't, I didn't know. Yeah. You know, I just, and now it means so many other different things than it used to. But when people would ask me, that's what I would say. And I don't even think at the time I really understood what that meant. (laughs) Um, So then after that, um, during the semester of my senior year, I worked for an events company to try to get some, you know, more experience, just building up those skills on my resume to kind of make me the most well-rounded as possible, which was great because I learned a ton in event planning and event production and things like that, which is some of my job now still. Um, So, you know, it was, it was nice to kind of, learn from there still in school, you know, not really, not a lot of responsibility, but still learning and absorbing. And then once I graduated, I, um, didn't have a job, but I had an internship at American Airlines center here in Dallas, um, as their marketing intern. So that again, the word marketing at the time, I think meant everything, right? you know, marketing the arena, which meant like writing press releases and, um, covering all the concerts live on social, which I had never done before. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Oh, it was so much fun. And um, I got I got to treat all, a bunch of my friends to concerts and stuff yeah. that summer. And Sports and entertainment, free tickets. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's a, it's a perk. It's a perk, perk that a lot of people, I think, take, again, take for granted. But it's so now that I'm older and I can treat my parents and, you know, all that, you know, and friends now, it means so much more, I think. Um, but I was very lucky that I got to do that, um, while I was working there. And, you know, by the end of it, I didn't have a job. Yeah. I I had an internship. So when it was over, I think this is what a lot of people that age need to hear, Yeah, which is that it's okay if you don't have a job after graduation, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I was interviewing, I think I interviewed like with the San Jose Sharks. I interviewed with my the Miami Heat. I was interviewing everywhere. And I just, you know, they need two to three years experience for a coordinator role. Yeah. And it's hard to break into that because 
on top of the connections that I had already had that got me the interviews and things like that, then it's like, it's all you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was having such a hard time. So I took a step back and was like, you know, and this is what I tell people as well. Like, if you really want to be in sports, you got to do what you need to do and take what you can get at the beginning, Oh yeah. not continuing, continuing to just take what you can get, but you know, build, I'm glad that I had kind of done what I had done with building up in my resume and kind of taking different internships because I realized that maybe one more internship would really send me into, you know, the sports world or wherever I wanted to go. So in between my internship and moving and eventually moving to New York, I was applying, applying, applying. I applied to an internship in Chicago, which I had gotten. I hadn't heard from the Mets yet because that's where I took um, a year long internship as a marketing associate eventually but I hadn't heard from them. So the October, that October, I received, you know, an internship in Chicago and accepted it because I didn't know, you know, when I would hear from the Mets and, you know, they, they had, I had interviewed for a marketing coordinator role and they were going to pick two people out of the, of the pool to be associates. So I just hadn't heard back. And um, so I took this job and this unpaid internship in Chicago, again, very fortunate enough to do that moved into an apartment, got an apartment, you know, like went up there with my dad, got everything set up. And then, you know, was moving January one and December 14th, the the Mets called me and said, Hey, we let, we were finally, they were in the world series that year. So I understood that there was like a lag, you know, but they're busy um, two, (laughs) two weeks before I was supposed to move to Chicago, fully move out of my, you know, home in Dallas they called me and said, Hey, we'd love for you to work for us as an associate. Do you accept? And I was just like, well, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I do. (laughs) And so we went up to Chicago, moved all my stuff out, sent it to New York, (laughs) got out of my lease somehow. They were very nice. Went to New York, found an apartment and I started work two weeks later. How important is, how important is that to have that mentality in the sports industry in general? You said it right there. We, you interviewed with the Heat. You interviewed in Chicago. You interviewed all over the place and New York. How important is that in the sports industry to have that flexibility of mindset to say, I'm willing to go where the job and opportunity is? It's so important. I think I don't think I would have said yes to New York unless I knew that the Chicago job was a stepping stone for me to get to New York. And that's what I kept talking about with my parents is, I'm doing this so I can get to my next step. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to be here forever. I, I knew Chicago was just going to be a short-term thing, and it really was. I did only slept there for like two nights total. You got to go where the opportunity is if it's the right one, and that's the, it was the right one for me, a hundred percent. When you're a senior in college and you're in February, and all of your finance friends and other friends that are getting jobs in New York at Yelp or Oracle or Salesforce, they're getting hired in February. But for sports, they need someone right now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to watch all these people around you get jobs and feel set. And you're kind of like floating around in limbo and kind of, you know, your parents are pressuring you, your teachers are pressuring you, your friends, everyone is kind of up, up your butt. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's really tough. I remember my mom looked at me once and was like, aren't you going to get a job? And I was like, I'm trying <laughs> so hard, you yeah. know, like, and I still remind her of that um, because Yes, it was like really fueling for me, but at the same time, like it all takes so much time and and patience and and things like that, especially if you haven't graduated. Well, then even when you get started and your friends that you graduated with, like you said, the accountants and they're in marketing or they work at Salesforce or whatever, they work in sales, 
they're working nine to five, Monday through Friday. They mm-hmm. have their weekends. They take every holiday off. And you're like, uh, no, I have to work on the 4th of July. And Christmas yeah. Day, I'll be there. And I work from four at night until midnight. And then, you know, mm-hmm. I work most Saturdays and Sundays. And sometimes I have Tuesdays off. And you're like, when yeah. are we ever going to see each other again? You know, it's tough. Exactly. And also, like, I, but I will say, and this is what I tell a lot of people that I um, speak to as well and give advice to, is that in that time that I was so miserable not having a job and I was nannying in between, you know, while I was interviewing and just doing things so I wouldn't just be sitting there moping, a year later, a year from that time, all of my friends that had jobs were looking for new jobs because they Mm -hmm. were not happy. Happy. And I was thriving in what I was doing. And I was like, this was worth the wait. It It just takes a minute to kind of understand that. So I went to the Mets. I it was the best experience I could have ever had. Like I, I I can't say enough about the program that they have there. You know, kind of taking in you know new graduates to kind of like mid twenty you know twenty five year olds to be year long interns, um, paid interns in their company, and then they kind of set you up for success to get a job at the end somewhere else or you know there if there is one. And I kind of learned how to be in a corporate office at a very young age at a sport, at a major sports team and played a big role in a lot of the things that we did. Um, you know, I ran the kids club with my coworker at every single game. I paid my dues. I was on my feet. Um, almost every, almost every night working 80, 82 of those, um, or 81 of those baseball home baseball games. I helped in the social media side. I helped on the sponsorship side. I helped out on community production. I got my hand in almost every, department and really was like finding out what I wanted to do. So then at the end of that, you know, the, at the, well, at the end of the season, I kind of started looking for jobs and there was a job open at the, at the Rangers, New York Rangers for a marketing coordinator. So I applied for that. The lady was like, you know what? I really think you belong in basketball, Mm. which I thought as well, but I was, you know, trying to get my foot in the door And, um, she said, there's this perfect job, perfect new job that's opening. No one's ever had it before. And we just had a conversation about it today. So I'm going to pass you along to the person hiring for that role. And so I applied for the role. I got the, I got the role, which was a fan development coordinator at the Knicks. And so basically my job was to start the social media accounts for the junior Knicks. They were starting a junior Knicks program, working with the junior MBA, really diving deep into developing fans from a young age. And so I came in, you know, started the junior Knicks, um, channels and they took off. Like I had a knack for it. I still have an an email from my first day there where my boss, who was, who was, who was in charge of, you know, fan development and community for Knicks and Rangers, but was really a hockey guy. So he kind of like had absorbed the, the Knicks side at that point. And so I was kind of running with a brand new role, brand new person running this, you know, kind of department. So I kind of had a lot of leeway to do a lot of things. Um, and I saw an email from him that said, you have a real knack for writing copy, Mm. like keep it up. And I was like, wow, like, I don't, I didn't even realize that. And honestly, I will say to this day, that is my number one skill. So like, you know, I was, you know, building up the junior Knicks accounts in the community, running, helping run, um, clinics and camps and covering them on, you know, social media and everything. And then, you know, the Knicks social team kind of caught wind of what I was doing, And then I'd start filling in for them too. I would, you know, 
do, I was at all the games already, but I would do the Snapchat at the games and go to the events and do Snapchat because that was the big thing at the time. And I was helping out with every event that the Knicks social team needed me to help with because they only had a couple people. Yeah. And then it just so happened that the social coordinator was leaving. And so the, or the digital content coordinator, which is the same thing as that's what they called the social media team um, at the time. And the marketing director went to my boss and said, we want Becca to come in this role. She's already, you know, knows what she's doing. She can grow. She can do this, this, and this. And my boss basically called me in and was like, Hey, like you have this opportunity, you can take it or leave it. And I took it. Obviously I was so excited because this was like, you know, I was, I was 24 years old as a social court digital content coordinator for an NBA team. Yeah, It was insane. And so, you know, I learned so much in that role. Cause like, you know, the first year I kind of was getting my footing first year and a half kind of getting my footing. Then I kind of got promoted to traveling with the team to every game and, you know, really conducting all of our content. So I was, I was really the one on the ground that was doing all of this. So I learned so much. I was immersed in it. Um, it was an amazing experience. Um, and then in October, 2019, they eliminated my role. Mm. And it was, it was, it was devastating. I think what's, what's hard for people to understand. And I think what I, it was hard for me to understand at the time as well, is that like, things are always changing. Things are always evolving. And so I got in a flight 6am the next morning to Dallas. Cause I was just like, you know, devastated and didn't know what to do with myself. Um, and that day there was a job that opened up as the social coordinator for the Mavs. And I say that's fate, but you know, you, you never know. And, uh, the rest is history. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to the New York thing a little bit. That's a pretty big shift mm-hmm. going from Dallas, some of the other areas you had been in. UT is a amazing large school, mm-hmm. but New York can be a little bit different. How, how different was oh, that yeah. shifting from Texas to New York City, that lifestyle, that urgency, that different kind of pace. Um, how did that feel? How was that adjustment? I was built for it. I think I'm a New York girl in in a Texas world. That's okay. what my mom says. People tell me all the time that I need to slow down. Like I, I just feel like I was built for that, and in the in the mentality and the drive. And I think my drive honestly came to me after college, and I think. I kind of realized that by moving to New York, I was like, wow, like I really want things for myself and want to make them happen for myself. Yeah. And New York was the perfect kind of like inspiration to kind of get that rolling in me and kind of the drive and the, and the hunger to be where I want to be. And then, you know, I kind of brought it back here with me. Like I kind of found where I w- what I was supposed to do and where I was supposed to be. Like, I honestly believe that this, and, and I know this sounds so, to, to people that don't understand it, it might sound very, you know, shallow or, you know, high level, whatever. But I really think that social media was my calling. Like I, and I never would have figured it out. I don't think unless I had done all the steps that I had taken to get to where I am. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a process of discovery. Like every individual has to go through it. I'll have people reach out to me all Mm -hmm. the time and say, I love sports. What should I do for my career? And I'm like, I can't tell you that. You have to discover that. You have to get out there and figure it out and try things and go on internships and fail a little bit and realize what gets you excited. And then you'll figure that out over time. For sure. So let's talk about this role a little bit. So you come back to the Mavs, your hometown team, social media coordinator. 
What does that role look like? What, how did that execute for you? What were your kind of your tactical responsibilities? What were those things you had to do on a night-to-night basis? What did that role kind of encapsulate? So I took a very like, you know, horizontal move for, from my role at the Knicks to the Mavs. So really when I came in, uh, my manager, Lizelle, um, she had worked for the Mavs for, she left after eight years, but she, at this point, she had been working for the Mavs for six years or so. And she and I knew each other just because all of us in, in our roles at the, at, at our prospective teams all know each other. So, you know, she and I had been talking for a while and I was the one who reached out to her about the job and blah, blah, blah. And so when she hired me, I kind of like reset, helped reset the strategy with her, helped kind of say like, we need to be posting three to four times a day. Let's plan it out. Let's make a calendar. Let's create a calendar and have all these plans. And really just like, I was implementing all the things that I had learned in my previous job and that I had been doing for you know, the past three seasons, planning, executing, copywriting, elevating the game coverage, storytelling, you know, all that kind of stuff that just like things that weren't being thought of because there wasn't enough resources at the Mavs either. So that's, so honestly, like I was doing most of the things I was doing in New York, but kind of like in a bigger sense and with like a a team that was more receptive, I think, to like, really implementing some of these things. And and honestly, I'll tell you, like I came in and the Mavs were at 1.2 million followers on Instagram and now we're about to hit 3 million. Yeah. And I, and I smile as I think about it because I'm just so proud of like everything that we've done, um, in that amount of, in that honestly small amount of time, but people now copy us with what we do because like we're, we're implementing things that work and like, I would say we've taken a full like 180 since I started at least. And like, I don't want to take, I don't want to take all of the credit, but I think that when I came in, it kind of, kind of sparked that, um, that change. So how, how would you articulate the change in strategy? What, what was your approach and how did you, how did you change things? Because if you're seeing that kind of tangible results, it has to be a pretty massive shift. Yeah. What was happening and how did you guys approach it differently? Was it just more focus on Luca or were there other aspects to it? I think there, oh, there was a ton of aspects that like, that like people that don't touch social media every day wouldn't even realize. Like I, I remember in my, in my interview posting more I was like, content is king. Like, why don't we put like, you know, I remember I was looking at the feed at one point and, you know, summer league had gone on and they had drafted somebody, but on the feed, maybe there were two lines of posts from summer league. That was it. Mm. So that was my first priority to get, we're, we're posting more, we're going to post more. And again, I don't think there were enough resources for people that for, for Lizelle to kind of delegate to the copy and, you know, the strategy that she kind of wanted. So people were just kind of helping when they could. So, you know, within a game, you know, instead of saying like, Luca runs the floor and slams it down, you know, we changed the copy to boom shaka Luca or something that is something that is catchy, something that is pulls you in, not just describing the play. Right. Another thing was the sizing of our videos and photos. I think things were just kind of like being, being posted just however willy nilly. And then, you know, I kind of came in and was like, we're size, everything's in portrait unless it can't be. And so takes up more real estate kind of catches your eye more, you know, just kind of like really um, just little tactical things that we could have changed off the bat. But it makes a big difference. um, Makes a huge difference. Cleaned up, you know, our stories, 
um, and really made like, you know, templates for things and look and feels. And, and again, it all developed as we kept going and we added some, you know, I, I got some platforms on board with us and like things like that, like slate and, and, um, sprout and like all these different things, like just, just like really like integrating those into our everyday routine to make it more efficient. And again, it was slow. And in the bubble, we figured out a lot of things. And in the hiatus, we figured out a lot of things. Cause mind you, I came out, I came in two months before the hiatus started. Mm. So when the hiatus started, I was like, all right, I actually have some time to kind of like put some stuff together yeah, to kind of like to turn this thing on its head and slate entered the picture and in the bubble. And, and that's when we started kind of revamping our, um, sponsorship strategy and all that kind of stuff. So yes, it, it, it was, it was a huge return, I think on growth of followers at the beginning, because we were posting a ton more and we were like really out there and kind of elevating our content with it within. And then once we went to the bubble, kind of got those things under our belt. And then the, the next season is where we kind of implemented all of those things that we had learned and kind of like turned on its head. So, it, and, and still, we're still dealing with it, but now like the expectation is there. So you've jumped pretty rapidly. You've gone from the social media coordinator to the senior social media coordinator, and now you're the social media manager. As you adjust from being an individual contributor to more of a manager Mm -hmm. where you've got staff underneath you, what was that change like for you? And how did your style and approach kind of change as you become more of a focused leader versus just an executor? It was hard. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm a very, like, particular person. I wouldn't say like a micromanager, but I'm very particular about what we do and what, and you know, where, if there's a hashtag, if there's not, if there's a period before an emoji, this, this, this. (laughs) Consistency counts. It matters. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think one of the major things that my bosses always remind me is that nobody is me. So like delegating and teaching and things like that, it's like, I don't want to pick at my employees, you know, constantly. So I'm going to let them, you know, try to make mistakes and try Mm -hmm. to fix them and understand why things are the way they are and, you know, kind of include them in the reworking of guidelines and, and, you know, tone, you know, my approach to managing people is teaching them whatever they want to know. So like, I'll teach them whatever I can. And then I'm like, Hey, moving forward, if you want to know how I'm doing something, ask, I'll teach you you know, all that kind of stuff. But delegating was a huge, it was a huge obstacle for me because I had always been the one that, you know, press send or came up with all the copy or was conducting all the interviews or, Mm -hmm. you know, was flying on the plane and blah, 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 blah. So I have had to learn how to take a step back as well. And, you know, kind of like let my people do their thing. And yes, I was able to, I hired three different people, one for Mavs, one for Mavs off court, which is our community account. And just like everything the guys are doing off the court and then our Mavs gaming account. So I oversee those three coordinators. And then we have an intern that worked with us last summer who I've kept on this entire, the entire season this summer. And she's going to keep working with us because she is absolutely amazing. And like, basically if, if anybody is close to me, she is close to me. So I'm keeping her, um, as, as, (laughs) long as we can until we can hire her full time. Um, (laughs) But um, I also like have learned, especially in New York, what kind of boss I didn't want to be. So for me, I, I take that with me every day. I take how I would feel when I would ask questions or how I would feel when I was spoken to or denied something or whatever. 
and wanted to be the opposite. I yeah. wanted everyone that I, that worked for me feels the opposite. And I asked for feedback and I ask for, you know, ways that I can be better and things like that. So, and I'm, I'm constantly trying to better myself in that, in that area um, by, you know, working with the career coach and we're and working as a mentor in the company and things like that. So it's a really well-oiled machine. I think we've built that's obviously still getting better, but I, I'm still working on um, trying to not have to do everything as well. So it's, yeah. it's a constant fluid thing, but I'm getting there. <laughs> so I, I speak in 50 to a hundred colleges throughout the the school year and speak with a lot of young sports management majors and a lot, I mean, the two, two career paths people love to talk about are being an agent and working in social media. That's literally the, the crux of what everybody wants to get into. So many of the people that want to work in social media think of it and perceive it as spontaneous creative reaction. Like, I'm just going to be reacting to what happens in a game and posting it right away. So let's give some reality here. How would you scope it out as far as how much is planned and orchestrated and prepared for versus reactive and in the moment? Give everybody a little bit of perspective here. I would say the only thing that's reactive and in the moment is live social coverage, Mm -hmm. stories, or, you know, videos on Twitter or reels or something that you're taking in the moment. But again, don't post them in the moment. Wait till after. Um, wait till you're home and you can focus. Um, but, and then the only other reactive thing is during a game, everything else is planned. Yep. Almost everything, unless there's a trend that you, that we want to hop on and someone has the time to, to sit down and do it and make it. And even that requires thought and planning. Exactly. What's our strategy? What's our goal here? It's not just, I have this idea, fire it off. Exactly. Unless it's one of those memes where it's like the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn photos, four square box that I can make in an instant on my phone. And there's mm-hmm. nothing that's already planned on the content schedule. Right, right, right. In that moment, then I can post that. But that's really the only times that are reactive. Like we have a monthly calendar we have um, and in within this calendar is a monthly calendar, a coverage calendar, players' birthdays, player roster, just so we have all of these things that we can plan for in advance. Yep. Those kinds of things are so crucial, especially when people are covering for each other because nothing is reactive when it comes to weekly content. Like we're not just sitting there being like, hmm, what do I want to post today? No, right. like we have a calendar where on, on the 15th of each month, we start the new calendar. Mm-hmm. We have to be creative and like really come up with like, especially during the summer, August is a dead month. Yep. Like July, June and July, we have draft, we have summer league, September, we have media day and training camp. Like August is dead month. Right now it's like crickets. Yeah. And so it's tough. And like, and like the NBA will tell us, you know, like NBA dunk week is eight one. And then here are the rest of the weeks that we're going to like, you know, have a hashtag for. And immediately our intern starts pulling, you know, clip pro clips and and our baseline videos and putting them in a Dropbox for each day Mm -hmm. in the middle of July, because like, we can't just sit around and wait till Monday to try to find a dunk. No, we want a list of the top 10 dunks, the top 10 handles, the top 10 assists, and we will, we will prep them all. And then we will see which ones make the feed, you know? So it's not up to chance whatsoever. It's the right mentality. I had somebody say to me once that I really appreciated. They said, the more planning we do, 
the more it allows us to be spontaneous. So if you've got the base foundation kind of set, we know what to expect, then you can get those creative juices firing for Mm -hmm. in the day kind of creative responses to other things. But it starts with the planning, which I think is such a smart perspective. That is so smart. I love that. Yeah. So let's talk about data a little bit. We live in such a data-driven world now. Um, Analytics used to be very player-focused, right? Like player performance-focused. But I think you're seeing a lot more business intelligence and data come in that way. We're all talked in ways of, you know, when we're speaking to our superiors of being able to prove things a lot of times with data, uh, show return on investment, show return on effort. How do you go about it? Are are there certain metrics that you look like, look at to understand the success of a campaign? Do you have other ways of, of knowing with benchmarks? Like what do you, what do you look at to determine success of your efforts and your team efforts? For me, honestly, success isn't really data driven because I think even with some of the content that we put out, they just flop. Like, like some of the content we've put out that we think, and we put in a lot of effort with the way that Instagram and Twitter and things are being digested nowadays is not the same. So we're trying to figure that out and trying to figure out. So like data for me sometimes doesn't really count like the la- the numbers and, and things like that on Instagram, like the views and the likes and things like that. It's not always what we're looking at anymore because Instagram has changed and evolved so much. We'll see what happens when reels becomes like the first, I mean, the only video format, but I'll say like, you know, something that we used to put, and especially during games, we'd put like a clip pro highlight packaged in a carousel with a baseline highlight. And two years ago, it used to get a hundred thousand likes on that post in a game. Yeah. Now, if I did that, maybe 6,000. The, 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 the way that things are digested, especially during games, especially, you know, with reels and things like that, because that really is the way to go nowadays, the data, especially coming from, you know, the, the platforms itself doesn't really exemplify what we can do and what we are doing. So like for me, the success really comes from the dashboards and the, and the praise and the, the the people that are putting together the data driven stuff are the ones telling us these things and you know, whatever. So for me personally, and I I could be looking at it completely wrong, but for me, that's what makes success. And, and honestly, like once we kind of come into the next season and kind of put our benchmarks where we want them, we'll kind of, you know, reevaluate. And once we see how, you know, all the changes to all the platforms and things like that are implemented, I think it'll change, but for me, the success really is by our peers yeah. and our, yeah. and, and our, you know, everyone kind of like telling us that we're on the right track because, or, or doing things right, because that really means the most. So creatively, sports social is a noisy space. You guys are not just competing with other NBA teams. You're competing with the Dallas market. You're competing with everything going on in your area. Lots of competition out there. Uh, what was mm. what would you say was working really well for you guys last year? And then as you start to look forward, because we're always iterating, we're always coming up with new things. What are you looking forward to trying in the in the coming year? I think I'm looking forward to, and we're working on this internally, but I think I'm looking forward to reimagining our sponsored content. But that is one of the things like. And I, and I can tell you this, and I think every person in my job and, and anybody dealing with this can tell you that coming up with campaigns for sponsors digitally 
is one of the hardest things that you can do. And I think a lot of our creativity goes into that. So what I'm excited for, because I think last season we really were kind of making up for a lot of the COVID, like sponsors not getting their content that they needed because we didn't finish the season. And then same thing with the COVID season and things. So I think we're really making up for a lot of things. You know, sometimes we just slap logos on things and it doesn't really make sense. And so what I'm really excited about is kind of diving into that and really serving the sponsor the most quality creative that we can. And like really matching that to what asset we're really producing. And I know it kind of sounds, it might sound boring or not flashy or sexy or whatever, but it's like one of the most important things that we deal with throughout the whole season. So I'm really excited to kind of get that going and see like how we can really work with the partners and really bring them to life through our content instead of just kind of like slapping a logo on and saying, oh Mm -hmm. yeah, it's sponsored. We ticked a box and things like that. So, right. Well, I mean, it's a huge part of any aspect of any division of any organization, like Where's the revenue mm-hmm. stream? What are you doing to generate right. and to to create these partnerships? We're running businesses, right? So, social, whether it's social media or whatever it may be, to be able to show a direct line to revenue and and strong partnerships is is important. So, making those relationships work is is huge, and get them to come back the next year and For want sure. to do it all over again. So, I want to be really respectful of your time because it's been awesome. There's been so many great parts of the conversation we've gotten yeah, into. So, we'll, we'll finish up with this. No, this is great. I this is what so we do much. in a podcast. <laughs> no, it's great. But let's let's give it a little final perspective. So, you know, we're our audience. We're trying to help out young people getting into the industry or career changers and really try to paint a picture for them. So, if you were talking to a college class, let's say, and, um, you know, somebody was asking you, like, what's that one skill I should really hope focus in on to be strong in social media to grab the attention of hiring managers to stand out are there certain tools is it skills like copywriting how would you kind of advise people to say i'm a college student right now paint a picture for me what do i need to have to get the kind of job that first coordinator job to break that moment to get my foot in the door what should i focus on How, how would you advise them Um, I think, well, personally, I'll tell you what I look for. And I think that I have a pretty good grasp of what, you know, interviews and, you know, just kind of coming out of that role of a college student trying to get a full-time job, which is okay if you don't uh, off the bat. But uh, so I'll say, honestly, being proactive is number one, really changing your mindset and perspective of being like, I need to, I need to be a go-getter. I need to go get what I want. So staying in people's inbox and making sure that you are top of mind. If you, one thing I'll do, and I'm giving away like my secret here, but one thing I'll do, if someone emails me, I'll see if they follow up with me first before I respond. Because if they really want to get in touch with me or if they really want to ch- chat with me, and this is not me, meaning people asking me for advice, not like getting yeah. taking a meeting or something. <laughs> um, if someone's asking me for advice and they email me once, I'll see, I'll see if they email me in about two days. And because if they really want to talk and chat, it's a real test for me to see if if this is worth my time. And I, I will tell you that that was the one of the most valuable things that I ever learned. I got meetings upon meetings, upon interviews, upon jobs, because I stayed at the top of people's inboxes. So that's my number one piece of advice the, uh, under the umbrella of being proactive. Yeah. Two is under the proactive umbrella, bringing something to your interview that you can show that you've done. So I, I never come empty handed, even if it's just my portfolio with questions written down and extra resumes or anything like that. But I, I, I now have learned at least at the beginning of my career that I would come with ideas 
ideas and they're, they are flushed out in some kind of deck format or something like that. And again, like I've said before, not everybody is me. So you don't have to go through that whole process of making a deck for just an interview, but it might be put, set you apart from other people. Um, another thing about being proactive, you know, one thing I really look for in, in, in a candidate is you're not just going to sit around and wait for someone to tell you what to do. A big thing in social media, like we were talking about the planning and the ideas and things like that. One thing I really look for in somebody is someone that's like, Hey, I have all these ideas. Here's a list. Here's how I see they are, how they, I see them being executed. Let me know if there's anything in here that you see or think that we can use instead of just sitting there waiting for a trend to come up or sitting there waiting for me to say, Hey guys, like, let's start planning for it. If you really want to be a social media manager, social media coordinator for a team, mock up what a media day looks like, mock up what, um, what you would do as a playoff campaign or a season opening campaign. I did that for an interview once and it was really challenging, but it was so much fun. And I really understood what they were looking for in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, create something like that and you will blow people away with the effort. I love that. It's all about being proactive and showing effort and just planning ahead are my three pieces of advice. Becca, that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. What a great conversation. I know the audience will get so much value out of it. Congrats to all your success. And (laughs) and we'll all be watching the Dallas Mavericks uh, social channels, see all the work that you're doing, you and your team are doing. So you just added a bunch of new followers. Thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. Thank you to Becca and I will say the team at Hashtag Sports. Becca was a speaker at Hashtag Sports on a social media panel with the social media manager for the Golden State Warriors and for the Miami Heat. I was there, watched her, listened to her, was really into the conversation they were having. I was there as a speaker as well. Talked to my friends at Hashtag and said, let's make this happen. They brokered a bit of a conversation and boom, Becca's like, let's do this. Let's get on the show. Let's talk. Let's help some people. So thank you to Becca for coming on. Thank you to Hashtag for helping us set it up. And thank you for listening. I think it's an engaging conversation to be a part of on social media. There's always new innovation, new things happening, new ways to present information and draw in an audience. And I, I don't know, I'm a content creator, so that sort of stuff always, always gets me. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. All that stuff is important. It does matter to us when you do that because it helps us stay high in the search results for podcast distribution channels. And when we're in the the search results, we're getting new audience members. And we're getting new audience members, we're getting better guests. It just continues to grow and feed off each other. So we need your help. Please rate, review, subscribe, share with other people, and we'll continue to grow. Thank you for being here. I'll see you on Monday. 